Welcome back to Don't Punt to Geo, your UNC football podcast on the Tar Heel blog, podcast on tarheelblog.com, on the SBNation.com podcast network. I'm going to get that right one of these days. Jacob Cowden, it's time to talk about the ACC. We've done the Pac-12. We did the Big 12. We did the Big 10, and, uh, you know, nobody's ever going to hear that one. And we did the SEC. Um, you feel like we're at home now? I keep the most of the football. Anyway, so it's nice to be more in our depth, especially the Big Ten, we were out of it. So that's probably the best one to have missed. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, rest in peace to our debate over Iowa ge- geography. Uh, that was still the highlight of that podcast because the Big Ten's a garbage fire. I don't like it. Um, let's talk some ACC football. We're going to separate this bad boy into two separate podcasts just because we actually have some insight here. So this is going to be your ACC Atlantic podcast. Jacob, I'm not going to let people listen for five minutes and then hang up. So we're going to start at the bottom. Louisville, Scott Satterfield, the former App State head coach. What What are your thoughts? You know, I think Satterfield's a really good coach and they could be good in a few years. Um, not Now it's going to be this year, but. I, I think Juwan passes. He just it's so hard replacing Lamar Jackson that I think he had maybe the worst job in college football history trying to replace Lamar Jackson. They they lost a lot last year to the um NFL and just a graduation as well. Um so they return a lot of guys. The short answer is they're not gonna be very good, but I think Satterfield's a good hire and I think they'll be back to nine ish win program in a couple of years. I think they're going to be better than we expect. Um, they were the anti-Alabama in the ACC last year, where Alabama won every SEC game by an average of 30 points. Louisville lost every ACC game by an average of 30 points. Uh, the Bobby Petrino era just went straight dumpster fire, which was really fun to watch. I know um, any Atlanta Fal- Falcons fans, friends tuning in, will be really happy about thinking about that one more time. Uh, Brandon Anderson, shout out, friend of the pod and uh, one of our editors. They've got a ton of experience back. I, I've always liked Jawan Pass. Um, UNC was down to the wire for getting him, actually, and he was he would have been the biggest recruit uh, for Larry Fedora, I guess, between the Williams and Trubisky years. But he has Seth Dawkins and Des Fitzpatrick to throw to. Um, Hassan Hall ran for 4.3 yards behind a garbage offensive line last year. And the defense brings back 10 starters. So I think this is like a four and eight team. You're, you're not going to have the complete bottom out that you did last year. Yeah, well, they got the Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky and Kentucky. Those are two for sure. And, and I'd say maybe the probable win. Um, and then the rest of the schedule, they're going to win a conference game, I think. Um, they Notre Dame's the other non-conference game uh, of the four. So I'm not counting that as a loss, but. I think they can double their win total. I think they can get four and eight, and and they might even be a team where where there's improvement. It's just not matched by their record, just because, um, like Wake Forest, they could win. Uh, Florida State, who know we'll talk about it later, but who knows what Florida State could be? So they could get to four. Um, so I was I don't think the record will be that great, even if they do improve under Satterfield. I really think that's a fantastic hire. Um, I loved what he did at App State. Uh, I am interested to see. Uh, Juwan Pass, I think Satterfield's offensive system is a great fit for for a player like Pass. So 
Um, I do think that's a good fit as well as with the new coaching hire. And I think it fits Malik Cunningham a little bit better. Uh, Cunningham was 40 of 67 last year, led the team in rushing yards with 497. So, you know, he's a dual threat guy, kind of reminds you of uh, Zach Thomas at Appalachian State where he's dual threat. Um, I actually have him. I, I don't know if Louisville's announced this. I actually am leaning towards him as the starter. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's about as good of a year zero situation as you can walk into because you can't be any worse than you were last year. Yeah, and Louisville's shown they can recruit at least, you know, top 30-ish. Um, uh, they came out. What do you think of their new uniforms, those uh, Muhammad Ali uniforms? I saw you uh, got a peep at those. Yeah, um, I will just hold to the tweet I put out about them is that uh, be sure – to wear those in a game that you know you're going to win because UNC beat their asses when uh, they wore them for basketball last year. Let's uh, let's go north. Let's go north, Jacob. Um, Boston College and Syracuse, two teams that I hardly acknowledge as ACC members, just because of the rarity with which we play them. Uh, obviously, the Heels lost to Syracuse in overtime last year. Let's start there, man. Um, they won ten games under Dino Babers in their third year. And he's got this thing clicking, man. I love Syracuse. I'm very high on Syracuse. Their quarterback, Tommy DeVito, um, backup last year to Eric Dungey, who is the all-time uh, passing leader at Syracuse. Uh, but DeVito stepped in. He even he did play a little bit against Carolina. Uh, the, the kid's got an arm. He's Dino Babers' quarterback recruit. Uh, Andre Cisco, their free safety. Um, I have him a first-team All-American free safety. Uh, so did AP and Phil Phil, so I'm in good company there. Um, their wide receivers are stacked as well. Uh, Sean Riley's my favorite, but but Tristan Jackson, the baller as well. So they got talent on, on the outside. Um, I think they're going to be the second best team in that that division. I love what Dino Babers is doing there. Yeah, they also bring back Alton Robinson, who feels like he's been there forever, um, but had 10 sacks last year, was second team all ACC. You probably pencil him in for first team this year. And then a few guys that can benefit from the attention that Robinson's going to draw. Kendall Coleman was pretty solid. McKinley Williams, uh, they have a really veteran defensive line. Well, really veteran front seven. And then their second, well, shit, I mean, they really have a veteran defense. Uh, they've got three seniors in the secondary, along with uh, the aforementioned Andre Cisco. So, yeah, I'm very high on Syracuse. They're probably the second-best team in the Atlantic uh, easily. Schedule-wise, they get Liberty, Western Michigan, and Holy Cross out of conference, um, in addition to a game at Maryland that they'll win. So that's four wins right there. I mean, I'm, I'm chalking nine or ten for Syracuse. Yeah, because, you know, I am I think Clemson will win that game, which is not that hard to take. And then games like, you know, Boston College is tough. Pittsburgh is, is weird. So uh, 10 wins is going to be rough. Last year they got to 10 wins. Um, I think I think nine is the range, as talented as they are, just because the whole ACC is wacky. You never know who's going to win. But I think if they can – you know, I'm picking 10. I changed my mind. They're going to get to 10 again. Um, I really think they're that talented. And I love DeVito, the quarterback. I already said that, but. Yeah, and on aggregate, the last two years against Clemson, they have lost by a total of one point, uh, obviously pulling the upset two years ago and then ha just having uh, victory snatched from the jaws of, um, or 
defeat snatched from the jaws of victory, as my uncle says, uh, last year in Death Valley. While yeah, we are, I don't. Sorry. Go well, I was going to say, I don't want to say they should have won that game because Clemson scored more points, so Clemson should have won that game. But but they could have definitely won that last year in Death Valley. So um, I'm interested to see that game because Clemson's going to have that game. I don't know if circled on the calendar, but they definitely have their – they'll be aware of the Syracuse game for sure. So I'm interested to see how Clemson reacts and then how Syracuse reacts to having more um, more of a heads up from, from Clemson when they come into the, the Carrier Dome. Yeah, we'll get there, but uh, Clemson's going to be coming off a pretty tough game against Texas A&M at home. So, you know, there could be a little hangover effect there. While we're while we're up in the north, though, let's go ahead and knock out Boston College, um, the team I know the absolute least about in the ACC. Uh, Steve Adazio, last five seasons, seven and six, three and nine, seven and six, seven and six, seven and five. What do you have for the Boston College Eagles? Well, I think we... I don't think this is a stretch, but A.J. Dillon, I think, except for Travis Etienne, those two are not uh, Clemson running back. I think A.J. Dillon's by far the best running back in the entire conference. Uh, their quarterback, Anthony Brown, I don't think he's great. I have him ranked – let's see where I have him ranked. Uh, eighth out of the 14 ACC quarterbacks, but I think he's mobile, good system fit, um, especially good complement to A.J. Dillon. Um the defense only returns three starters, and that's always been the the fit. The, <clears throat> excuse me, the calling card for Steve Adazio. So, and especially lost um, a lot of it last couple of years. They've lost a lot of NFL talent, especially on the defensive line. So, question marks there. Uh, but AJ Dillon's one of the top players to watch in the entire conference. So, if you're not watching the Carolina game, uh, check out a BC game to check out AJ Dillon. And I don't think he's the second best uh, running back in the conference by any stretch. I think he's just going to get the volume and the numbers to where he's going to end up on that first team ballot. Um, their offensive line also loses a lot. And, is you know, usually Boston College has some maulers and then you have 250 pounds of A.J. Dillon run behind that. They are only bringing back two starters. Um you, I mean, if you look across the board, I mean, they don't have anybody pushing higher than 310. They've got a couple guys under 300 uh, that are listed as starters. And you're absolutely right about the calling card for BC. Um, the guy who is at who is at Michigan now led them to the number one defense a few years ago, but they've pretty consistently taken a step back. They went from 254 yards allowed per game to 314 to 383 to 402 last year, and they lose a bunch of guys. So. I'm down on Boston College. I think probably the second worst team in this division. Uh, lucky for them, their schedule kind of works out where you have the big game with Virginia Tech at home to start it out. If they win that one, bowl eligibility is pretty much a shoe-in because Richmond, Kansas, and Rutgers are the next three games. You could look at this, and they could start 6-0 and and finish 6-6. and Which is how it's usually been. Last year, I think – they were like five and one and finished seven and five. So they have had a problem finishing, especially in November. Um, and just that based on the schedules working out, that's how it'll be again this year. Um, but yeah, it works out. Okay. Virginia tech and Pittsburgh are their two not non or non-division games. Um, I think bowl eligibility would be a win for, for Boston calls this year. They got AJ Dillon, but other than that, there's a lot of rebuilding on the defense. Like you mentioned, the offensive line as well. Well, should we talk about the teams the Tar Heels play? Let's talk about the teams the Tar Heels play. Hey, Jacob, we should we should start talking about the teams the Tar Heels play. All right. I'm in. 
Let's go to um, NC State first. All right. I think everybody's going to love us talking about NC State. We'll hear what we have to say. Um, yeah. And they still um, haven't named a starting quarterback. As far no, as between uh, Matt McKay and uh, Bailey Hockman, uh, Devin Leary withdrew his name from the proceedings. Um, have you heard anything about Ty Evans, the true freshman that was in for spring? Because I have not, but I wonder if that's more of a three-man race still because it's it's getting kind of late here. I haven't heard anything about Ty Evans, but yeah, the more the longer it goes, the more you're going to lean to the young guy. Because I feel like even if it's a quote-unquote even competition, guys who have been there, Matt McKay, for example, in this case, he's been the starter. Like They have an edge even if it's an even competition. The longer it goes, the more you start wondering, like, if the young guy pushing, was the young guy going to get the job? And even if McKay, the the backup last year, Ryan Finley, wins the job, you got to think at some point you're going to see either Hawkman or Evans on the field. So maybe I don't think it'd be a shock at all to say whoever's starting a week one against East Carolina for NC State is going to be the same quarterback that plays against the Tar Heels uh, in November 30th. I'd agree with you there. I'm at the skill positions. They lose Reggie Gillespie. They lose Kelvin Harmon. They lose Jacoby Myers. They bring back who I think is probably the second most talented running back in the conference. Well, that's that's a lie because Cam Akers exists. And, oh, we, we didn't talk about Florida State yet. Uh, Ricky Person's a beast, man. Yeah, no, he's good. I loved their receivers last year, both Jacoby Myers and Kelvin Harmon, especially Kelvin Harmon. I thought he crucially underrated, critically underrated, whatever adjective you want to use. Um, so that's my big question mark is, is the passing game, uh, as, as good as person is. And then I like their offensive line as well, uh, for the most part, but I just do question whoever's going to be starting quarterback, what weapons they're going to have on the outside. If that's going to be enough to prevent defenses from stacking the box. So, um, I don't, I think their offense is going to take a step back, especially from Finley, who I've, I've stood on this hill for, for about a year. It was a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Um, over at Duke. I thought he was great at NC State, even though I think you disagree with me on that. Uh, and you have some stats to back it up where I'm just kind of using my eyes. But uh, I think their offense takes a step back is what I'm trying to say. I mean, I thought Finley was a better quarterback than Daniel Jones, but I, I do love the fact that uh, Finley never threw a touchdown pass against UNC despite going 3-0. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. that, that's just kind of a that, – that's just more of a fun fact, really, though. Uh, their offensive line, I don't love what they've got at the tackles. Um, Emmanuel McGirt, who recruit Knicks will remember, was a UNC commit at one time. Um, he played seven games last year, did not play the previous season. He's penciled in as the left tackle. I do love me some Joshua Fed Jackson, though. That that guy's a mauler, um, the type of guy that you pull and he eats a linebacker. Um Defensively, I mean, they, they lose some talent there, too. Uh, Darian Roseboro's gone. Jermaine Pratt's gone. Dexter Wright's gone. Um, they really missed Jermaine Pratt in, in that uh, Texas A&M game, which every time I talk about NC State or Texas A&M, I do mention Texas A&M beat NC State 52-13 to 13 in the Gator Bowl last year. Which people forget. People forget, yeah. Um, yeah, NC State's another team that um, – you know, they had Bradley Tubbo a couple of years ago, but they've been really good at the defensive line. Uh, they lost a lot. Really kind of the, my big guy um, is um, Isaiah Moore. Isaiah Moore. Uh, he's a linebacker. I think he's their best defensive player. Um, but I think NC State, I have them actually six, which might be a little bit low in the, in the division, but just they lose so much. They lost a quarterback, all their weapons, a lot on defense. 
Um, it's more of a question of, I don't know if Dorian's built enough to replace it right away, where he said, I think it's going to be more of a rebuilding process in, uh, in rally. Yeah, their secondary is the strength of the team, so that will keep you in some games. Um, and I, I just always trust uh, Doran's program to develop defensive linemen. So I'm looking at guys like James Smith-Williams, uh, Larell Murchison, they could step up. But in the in the back with uh, Stephen Griffin, Nick McLeod, Chris Ingram, and uh, Jarius Moorhead all back, I think their secondary is going to be very problematic. So, you know, if if that D-line steps up, you kind of take away the run. You kind of take away the pass. Um, I guess I'm higher on their defense. I'm definitely higher on them than sixth in the division. Um, I, I've got them pretty easily ahead of Boston College and probably Florida State too. Yeah, I think six was low uh, when I looked back. Cause like, I think six is low, but also uh, I think bottom four for sure. I think they're going to be out of the top three. I'm really bummed last year. Obviously, the Hurricanes were important, but I was so excited to see the the West Virginia North Carolina State game. Uh, they got canceled because because of, of the Hurricane. That's their their big non conference game. Everything else is you know it should be a win. So I think that last year they were nine and four. I think um, takes that back probably seven ish is what I'm going to say. Seven wins. I'd say the seven eight range is fair. I mean, at some point they've got to beat Wake Forest. Um, they get Georgia Tech as one of the cross-divisional opponents, and then you mentioned the soft non-conference and NC State uh, staple. Kind of like Louisville got Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky, NC State gets East Carolina and Western Carolina. Um, I guess the Heels went one and one against those two schools last year. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm sitting on eight just until proven otherwise because I do like their defense. Okay. Yeah, I yep. mean, you got defense then. I think they're going to pound the ball. That's one pro of Matt McKay's. He, I think, is the not most athletic, but I think he's the most natural runner out of the three. Um, the other guys are athletic, but I think they have more pocket mobility than than running option. So especially with, with that and, and person and running back, you know, they could just try to play keep away, use that defense, get the ball, um, and grind out some wins this year. I think that's going to be the ticket for him. You know, it's going to look more like a Dave Doran Northern Illinois team than it has an Eli Drinkwitz offense with Eli Drinkwitz over at App State now. Uh, while we're in the state of North Carolina, we may as well transition over to Wake Forest. Uh, the Heels play them in a non-conference game on Friday, September 13th. Wake Forest, um, probably the second most anonymous or yeah, the second most anonymous team to me in the league, just because you don't really have them as appointment viewing. What's fascinating to me is that they played at the highest tempo in the country last year. And no, and I actually watched a lot of Wake Forest games last year, and I didn't even realize they were playing that fast. So it speaks to the the anonymity uh, that you mentioned. And I've been pretty vocal about this on our Slack channel, but they just this week announced, I think it was Monday, that that Jamie Newman is going to be the starter over Sam Hart. Sam Hart last year was a true freshman, won the job, um, first game opening day. About halfway through the year, three quarters through the way year, broke, um, I think it was a broken leg, but it was a leg injury, out for the year. Jamie Newman stepped in, uh, ran wild against North Carolina State, and, and led him to a pretty good end of the year. Uh, so those two were in a quarterback battle. Uh, throughout um, this week, Jamie Newman was announced as a starter. I thought Hartman was better. I thought Hartman should have won the job. Um, so I was, I think that was the most shocking quarterback competition for me in the whole country that, that Newman didn't win the job, but the dude's talented. Um, he's got a good arm. He's not just a runner. He's a true dual threat. 
Um, and they have an interesting non-conference schedule. And by that, I just mean they play Utah State. I'm from the state of Utah is why I think that's interesting. So, and then North Carolina's on the non-conference. So I guess they do have a really Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you, you, you didn't need the qualifiers. It's very interesting. And they're kind of the Friday Night Lights team um, because their first three games are on Fridays. And then they get uh, Elon for homecoming on September 21st before, before starting ACC play. Yeah, I think they'll – sorry, what? I mean, I, I was just going to keep it rolling. Um, So, go ahead. No, I think we've talked enough about Wake. Yeah, um, I love the fact that they lost Greg Dortch. Um, interested to see if Sage Surratt or Kendall Hinton, uh, the former quarterback, steps up. Uh, their offensive line returns a decent amount. Their defensive line returns very little. And as Wake goes, you know, I, I kind of – Almost always compare them – well, I do always compare them to Vanderbilt. Um, they're going to be a little bit smaller across the defensive line. And they they won't physically beat you. And I think that's why they go to the tempo. Um, they're, they're just going to be a solid, fundamentally sound team. And I'd say they're going to be right on the precipice of bowl eligibility again. Eh, five or six wins, maybe seven. Yeah, because non-conference, you know, you're hopefully beating Rice and Elon. I think Utah State and North Carolina aren't – I think they could go two and two, maybe three and one with that that non-conference schedule. Um, so then you get three or four conference wins, which I think is realistic, uh, but not a guarantee at Wake. So I think they get it, but I wouldn't be, like, super shocked if they, if they ended up at five. If a couple things go wrong, bad injuries, things like that. I feel you. Uh, Florida State. They had a year to forget last year, so I'll just ask you this. If they don't right the ship or show some proof of concept, is Willie Taggart fired by the end of the year? I want to say no because of how much of a mess the program was by the end of Jimbo Fisher's tenure. Um, But I also know Florida State. um, So I think probably by the end of the year he would be fired, even though I would want to give him one more year as a third-party objective. Uh, viewer of Florida State just it was such a train wreck um academics uh recruit even though the recruiting was good like they're recruiting in all the wrong spots a lot of misses at the quarterback position as well uh which we'll probably end up talking about a little bit so I would give Willie Taggart one more year I think they'll get back to bowl eligibility this year but they're not going to get double digit wins uh that's going to take a couple years I think for Taggart to get the program back up and I think he is the right guy to build build the program back up, even if he's not the guy to get him to, to the playoff. They contend with Clemson. I think he's a good guy to get him back up to that level or close to it. Yeah, I think they made about as dramatic of a scheme switch as you can make, you know, going from basically a pro style to the Gulf Coast offense. And it doesn't really help when you have, honestly, the worst offensive line in really the last decade in FBS football. And I have stats to back that up. Uh, David Hale had a tweet last week. The lowest coming into last year um, amount of yardage that running backs had before contact was 156 total for the season. It was, I think it was Utah State, actually, uh, one year where their running game was not so good. Florida State last year, yards before contact for the season. For the season, Jacob, two 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 yards before contact. So their offensive line was just an absolute abomination. Like I've never really seen anything like it. Yeah, well that's I did not think it would be that bad. But me and you were last year we were watching the Clemson, not together obviously, but watching the Clemson 
not Clemson, Syracuse Florida State game. And before the game, we both said Syracuse was going to win the game. This was kind of before they uh, popped off. And, and Syracuse just dominated Florida State offensively. They were in the back for the entire time. It looked like Clemson's defensive line. It was so bad. And I think that showed throughout Florida State's whole season. It's impossible to do anything if you're getting two yards before contact for an entire year. The quarterback doesn't have any time. It's impossible to evaluate a quarterback if if they're always have pressure in their face, if they can't go through their reads, get through their progression. So I hope it gets fixed, but that's such an internal infrastructure problem that I don't think it's going to be right away. I think they'll improve, but it's not going to be up to Florida State's level. Uh, yeah, the the offensive line is not something that gets fixed overnight. I mean, you, you've got to have guys and get them physically mature. Yeah, so so that's their big thing. They still haven't named a quarterback either. Um, it's between – I think James Blackman's going to win, but Wisconsin transfer Alex Hornibrook is in the competition. Then Kendall Bryles is offensive coordinator there. Uh, he seems like Hornibrook a lot based just on what he's talked about with the media. Uh, he's uh, Art Bryles' son, uh, so former Baylor offensive coordinator. Yeah, which, uh, you know, is – So I'm excited to see the offense. Yeah, I mean, Kendall Bryles is its own set of circumstances. We're not going to get into that. But wherever he's gone, the offense has absolutely taken off. I mean, uh, FAU two years ago, Houston last year. So he is uh, job hopping. Houston. But that's kind of the thing for me is if they don't show market improvement, I can see just with the PR disaster that bringing in Bryles, you know, kind of was – I think that could spell lights out for Willie Taggart prematurely. Yeah. Um, I think it's Florida State is one of those places where they'll run you off even if you, quote, unquote, deserve another year or not. So even if I, I think he should stay, I would bet if they don't get, I don't know, eight wins, something like that, then he's probably out of there, which I think sets a program back. But we can talk about that a different day. Oh, I, I agree. I think if they – get to a bowl they probably keep him because you've at least shown some improvement the schedule's not great for that uh boise state who i, I think is gonna just handle them um on opening weekend um louisiana monroe that's a win alabama state's a win but then you close that florida as they do uh that's two and two in the non-conference so you gotta split the acc as well and trip to clemson's not gonna be a w um a trip to virginia across divisions is also likely not a W so that they've really got a hold serve with the Louisville's NC States and uh, maybe even the Syracuse's of the world. Yeah. And yeah. So the non-division games, Miami, like you mentioned, Virginia, those are, I think most people consider the top two teams in the coastal. So schedule real bummer for them. Uh, so kind of I think, I think they get six though. I think it'll be close. I think they're talented enough because they still recruited well. Last year they had the second best recruiting class in the conference um, by two, four, seven sports. So uh, talents there. I think Tiger's a good coach. I love Kendall Bryles offense. I love watching the offense. I think it's a really good system. So I think they have enough going where they'll improve to at least six wins, possibly seven, but schedule doesn't do them any favors and, uh, they're going to need some help, I think, as well. Let's talk about Clemson. Uh, they won the national championship last year. They're coming into Chapel Hill the last weekend of September. They have probably the best assemblage of offensive talent that I have seen since the heyday of Pete Carroll's USC. 
Oh yeah, so fun to watch. I last year, uh, one of my things was how underrated running back Travis Etienne was, just because no one really talked about him a whole lot. Uh, this year he's getting All America hype, so I'm really glad to see that. Um, and then Justin Ross, T. Higgins, two of their wide receivers. Uh, those are going to be first round round NFL draft picks. Offensive line is incredible. Um, their um, yeah, offensive line incredible. And Trevor Lawrence, obviously, at worst, second best quarterback at the country. Generational talent. We've spoken on several podcasts about how talented he is. Uh, so not, not enough positive things to say about Clemson's offense and well, the Clemson team as a whole. Yeah, uh, you, you and I were definitely correct on Travis Etienne. I mean, the dude ran for 7.2 yards carry as a true freshman. His backup, Lynn J. Dixon, ran for 8.8 a carry last year. So, I mean, that that offense is going to be just impossible. Um, you know, there might be a pundit on one of the other North Carolina websites who said that UNC's uh, interior offensive line talent is better than Clemson's. That is the biggest crock of horse doo-doo I have ever heard. Um, yeah, Clemson's going to run the table again, in my opinion. Uh, really, the only challenges that they have are Texas A&M and at Syracuse. After that, man, it's a cakewalk. Yeah, and, you know, I always like to think it's at least possible to lose a game. Like we saw what, two years ago they lost to, to Syracuse. Three years ago they lost to Pitt uh, when Deshaun Watson was there. Uh, but yeah, looking at the schedule, it's going to be really hard. They'd have to have a huge mental letdown. So I think they're going to go 15 and 0. If they do drop one and go 14 and 1, it wouldn't surprise me, but it's not going to be because of the talent. It's going to be, it's just hard to be that consistent, that mentally on top of your game every week. But again, with Clemson, even if you're not, you're so much better than everybody else talent wise. I think one debate I saw on, on good old Twitter was would Clemson, a Clemson team beat an all, non-Clemson ACC team and I think it'd be pretty close talent-wise between Clemson and the rest of the well yeah I mean you have you have uh Trevor Lawrence there which is a huge uh trump card to play but then if you look at the defensive line talent I mean Xavier Thomas behind four NFL defensive linemen got seven tackles for loss and 3.5 sacks as a backup KJ Henry from North Carolina was a five-star defensive end, and he redshirted last year. Um, I would say if there is an issue I have with Clemson, it's going to be their secondary. Uh, they do still have AJ Terrell and Kayvon Wallace, but right now it looks like Darian Kendrick is going to be running with the ones at at the other corner opposite AJ Terrell. Uh, Darian Kendrick was a wide receiver last year, so that's a little bit of a red flag, but. You know, what we're really doing is just trying to find a chink in pretty much unbeatable armor. Because at the end of the day, you have the best talent in the conference. You have the best scheme in the conference with uh, whoever's running their offense now, the Chad Morris system, and Brent Venables as the defensive coordinator. And you have the best player development in the conference and the best continuity in the conference. I mean, it's, it's game over. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, they're sec I feel about their secondary, how you feel about the defensive line at North Carolina State. Just they've shown that I'm going to trust them to reload with talented guys, even if we don't know their names yet. That's perfectly fair. Where Well, I, I hope some of that rubs off on uh, Kyler McMichael, who transferred from Clemson to UNC in the summer. Um, he's not going to play this year, but maybe next year we, we get some of that uh, Clemson attitude in the secondary. 
Yeah, I'm excited for him. Uh, excited for him. And I'm excited to watch the Clemson game and see how North Carolina plays against uh, the best team in the conference, best team in the country. When I had Patrice Renee on interviewed him for the, the Tar Heel blog, that's the game he talked about he wanted to play. So I think the whole team, North Carolina team, is excited for that game as well because they haven't played Clemson in uh, six years, something like that. So perfect timing coming off of 15-0 and season. Uh, I think all of us are excited to watch that game, uh, Carolina versus Clemson, even if probably not going to be a win. I think I'll be excited to see them compete against players like that. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, low expectations, high hopes. But if uh, Clemson wins that game by 35 points, it is not an indictment on what Mac Brown and the UNC Tar Heels are doing. But, Jacob, we're going to be right back to talk about that ACC Coastal Division, which includes our North Carolina Tar Heels. So as opposed to doing the whole plug thing, I'd say let's uh, go ahead, turn right back around and uh, start a new podcast. <laughs> 